This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 139 as we chat with book coach Jenny Nash about writing and publishing a book, working in the publishing industry, what her writing process looks like, and how we can avoid the mistakes authors usually make when sitting down to write a book. Welcome, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's kick this off with your story. How did you end up as a book coach? Well, I guess we should start out by saying what a book coach is, because a lot of people have never heard that term. <laughs> and, That's right, a good question. Good place. What is a book coach? <laughs> and I may have made it up. I don't know. I mean, I'm not claiming like to have started the internet kind of thing, but, but I'm sure... <laughs> Lots of people have been using this term, but but it the way I distinguish it is that an editor usually works on a piece of writing after that piece of writing is finished in order to to move it forward and make it better. And a book coach helps a writer while they're writing. So the way I describe it is it's like a personal trainer for your writing life. And a book coach is focused on book writing. So that's what a book coach is. And I stumbled into this career after a career as an author. I I had um, published seven books in two genres, mostly with big five publishers. And, And I was teaching at the UCLA Writers Program, which is actually the largest adult focused writing program in the country. And what I realized when I began teaching, I taught there for 12 years, and I realized that I was teaching systems. And that nobody else around me was teaching systems. And it began to be quite obvious that I was doing something different. And I, I didn't know I was doing that. It just was a thing that, that I naturally did. And as a result of that practice, I guess I would call it, um, I was approached by another instructor um, who is Lisa Cron, who's the author of Wired for Story and Story Genius. And Lisa is a brilliant story analyst, and she was teaching in the program as well and wanted to write a book about her thoughts and philosophies and ideas about story, but she didn't know how. She had never written a book. And so she recognized that I had this systems way of thinking and asked if I would coach her. And I didn't at the time know how to do that or what that would look like or anything. But I, I said yes. And together we we found our way. And the result was the, the sale of that two book deal for her. And my next client in a different genre sold his book to Simon and Schuster, his memoir to to Simon and Schuster. So the first three projects I work on worked on ended up in in big five book deals. So I realized I was on to something and um and and began to do it full time. That is awesome. So I, I'm really curious about the systems that you use. But before we talk about that, tell us about the first book that you wrote. And you know, was it was it easy? What was the struggle like? How did you pitch it to a publisher and actually get published? Yeah, I I, I always hesitate this, to tell the story because it was easy, and and that's not the experience for most people. And I recognize that. I'm I'm acutely aware of that. But in my case, I was working for a New York City magazine, a slick city magazine called New York Woman. This was in the 80s. And it was owned by American Express Publishing, which at the time owned Food and Wine and Architectural Digest. So very high-end, beautifully produced magazines. And I was a the lowest rung on the editorial ladder. And um, the people that I was working with on staff there were just fantastically talented writers. Um, Wendy Wasserstein wrote for us. Uh, Susanna Grant, who went on to write the movie Aaron Brockovich, uh, wrote for us. 
our editor-in-chief, Betsy Carter, had been the first and highest woman editor at Newsweek, just this, this embarrassment of riches of talent. And and I was the, the very bottom rung on the editorial ladder. And I ended up getting the opportunity to write an essay, a one-page essay in the magazine about I was getting married and I wrote this piece about my engagement. And, and as a result of this 800 word, one page piece, one of the agents for one of our writers approached me and said, do you want to write a book about that? And I, I was 24 and, um, I, I said, yes. (laughs) And, and I wrote that book and, and she sold it to crown and, you know, it was excerpted in Cosmo and Brides and, and, and that was, that was that. So it was, it was embarrassingly easy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to know, what did you say in that 800 word essay about your engagement? Well, what's so funny about, about it is for your audience, I think we'll really appreciate this. I'm, I'm 55 years old. So I wrote that essay when I was maybe 23, I don't know, a long time ago. And I can still remember the first line of that essay. It's like etched into my head. And I think it just goes to show the power of a great sentence, (laughs) a great (laughs) couple of words strung together. So the sentence was this, I'm about to be married and all I can think about is death. (laughs) What? That is awesome. I love that. It was this piece about how really loving makes you totally vulnerable and how horrible it is and, and how making a commitment to somebody, you know, just comes baked in with this this terror. So it was this, this funny piece about getting married that was not a normal thing you might see. And, um, I'm sure that that's, that's, it was just that sentiment and that voice and that difference that caught, caught the agent's eye. Um, but yes, I think it might be the best sentence I ever wrote. (laughs) That's a powerful sentence. So let's go down this rabbit hole for a little bit and talk about love. Um, cause I feel the same way about love. So how have you resolved your, that feeling and that sentence about love over the past few decades? How do you feel today about love? Well, it's interesting. You should ask this. I just celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary last week. And the, that feeling has absolutely not diminished. I think it's in fact gotten worse. And, and it, you know, my, my husband and I were reflecting on that day. (laughs) It's kind of sick, but we were reflecting like, you know, the only way out of this at this point is somebody dies. (laughs) And and like that, I mean, that's true with all of us with life, but with this relationship and this, and this love, and it's just been a pillar of our lives and, and a great accomplishment. We, we both came from families that were very broken. And so it, yeah, it's just, it has not diminished. And, and it, I think that juxtaposition of, of, of love and death and, and joy and, and, you know, despair, like it's at the, it's hard to ignore, at least for me. And, and so I'm, I'm, it's shocking when I think about the number of times that my husband has died in my head. Um, I have, I've contemplated his not being here. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hijack this whole conversation and just talk about love with you, but I know Rob would probably not like that, I feel like it's safe yeah, to say. Not be my uh, my I, my game. Yeah. I, I don't have feelings. So. Yeah, so we we should definitely talk about this over a glass of wine sometime, Jenny. But let's go back to systems and what you said about teaching systems that you didn't realize at the time that that's what you were doing. Can you talk a little bit more about what what you mean by that? I just I couldn't completely picture these systems that you were talking about. Yeah, it's been very exciting to me the past however many years of of getting more uh, conscious and aware of the systems that govern the creative process. So I think in our culture, we tend to think of creativity often as this thing that 
bubbles up from within you or is imposed from outside this idea of the the genius right the genius in the attic that just comes up with a great idea and unleashes it upon the world so that's coming up from inside you or the idea that it's imposed upon you in the way of a muse or um you know somehow looking for inspiration from outside and and i have i have found that every creative project i have worked on for my own self or for a client has followed certain pathways and processes, maybe not in the same way or the same order or the same speed, but there are these universal elements to, to the creative process that you, so if you can recognize those patterns, you can produce a system to, to walk somebody through them and, and steps to get them from, from A to B. And, you know, if you think about it, which I do a lot, creativity is not some just free form wild. And I mean, wild in the, in the sense of like, um, you know, wild animal or wilderness. It's, it's not a wild thing. It's a, it's a contained thing. And it's, it's much the same as I often think of sports that, you know, a, a soccer game or basketball game doesn't work unless everybody follows the systems and the rules and the structures and the guidelines and the boundaries. That's how it works. And I think the same is true of creative work. And I think too often people think that in order to make something, so in order to write a book and produce this product or this thing, that they have to they have to depend on or ride this inspiration wave or this, you know, um, that just back to those ideas of genius or muse. And I don't think any of that is true. Um, and I was enormously influenced in my thinking by Twyla Tharp's book, The Creative Habit. I mean, it's just profound. And, and when I read that book, it solidified in my mind all of that thinking that I had been sort of circling around. And I read that and I thought, yes, yes, that creativity can be nurtured. It can be taught. It can be tamed. And, and that's really the basis of the work that I do for people is helping them harness all of that energy in a, in a process or a system that's going to result in, in their goal, which is a book. So it, let's uh, get serious. Let's dive into the system then. And obviously we don't necessarily want you to give away all of your secrets, but if I was coming to you to work on a book, where would we start and, and what are the steps of the system look like? Oh, I'll give away all my secrets. I'm happy to. Um, so I have over the years developed something that I call the the blueprint for a book. And it's what I use when somebody comes to me, whether it would be, as you just described, you're coming with a an idea and you have nothing, you're at zero. I would use this, this process and this system, but I also would use it if somebody was coming to me with a book that needed rescuing. So it was getting rejected by agents. It was not getting traction in the marketplace. Something's wrong with the book and, and, it, and the author wants to fix it. I would also use this process if someone was coming with a rough draft and wanted to revise it. So this is a system that I have found works in literally every situation related to a book. And the, the way that I would start is to zoom way out from the project and to ask the questions that most likely, I, I would say almost 100% of the time, the author has not actually asked themselves, which is, uh, first of all, why are you writing this book? Why does it matter to you? What What is the meaning of it to you? What What is your motivation for doing it? And, and pushing the writer to dig far beyond the first answer, which is usually it'd be cool to publish a book or I want to be on Oprah or I want to sell it to the movies or, you know, I want to quit my day job. Those are all valid reasons, but usually there's reasons underneath those that are really driving someone. And if I can get down to the answer, the real deep level, I call it the deep level. Why, why are you doing this? Then odds are really good we can see clearly what this thing is supposed to be. So that one, if I could only ask one question, that, that would be the question I would ask. 
The next questions that I ask have to do with audience. Who are you writing for? Why do they care? What are they going to get out of it? You know, we come to books for so many reasons. We come for solace. We come for escape. We come for entertainment. We come for education. And the, you have to know what you're giving to your reader, what, why they would care out of all the things that one could do in a day. Why would they pick up your book and read it? What are you giving to them? Who are they? What's their pain? Those questions and really drilling down into those. And, and again, most writers come with very surface level answers, which is fine. It's where we all start. But to, to really make progress, we've got to dig down under them. And then, and then the, the last set of first questions would be about structure. Um, my, the way I think and the way I teach and the way coach has, has, I'm just a huge proponent of that form is function. So books are structured. They have architecture, just like a building and trying to figure out what is the best structure for containing this idea, for presenting this material, for connecting to the reader. So so it's zooming way out and looking at the really big picture aspects of the project. Where do most writers go wrong in this process? So it seems like maybe not asking those deeper questions, but where else do they mess up in this process? Well, yeah, that, that, that's, that's it. They, um, you know, the thing about writers is that writers love to write. And, and we love to sit down and, and play with words or get lost in the ideas or get lost in the story. There's, there's joy in that. There's um, satisfaction in that. It's, it's a fun process. It's generative. It's positive. And, and so it's really what's the, the, where we go wrong uh, is that it's hard to pull out of that by yourself, I've found. It's, it's hard you know, most of the times writers have this idea, they get this, this motivation, they sit down and they, they crank out their 300 pages. And maybe they're, maybe they're doing that with the support of a writer's group, or maybe they've signed up for NaNoWriMo in November to, to crank it out in a month, or maybe they've made a commitment that, you know, this is the year I'm going to write a book. And they, they just put their head down and they do it. And they, and they put the words on the page and, and yeah, not having stopped to ask those big questions, odds are excellent that what they write is going to not hold together. And so it's it's going too fast. That's really it. It's it's going too fast. And and believing that the creative process will be harmed or damaged in some way by stopping to think <laughs> or stopping to plan or stopping to to be intentional you know, that goes back to that myth of, of, of the creative genius. I think too many writers are afraid that stopping to think, asking for help, bringing in any other expert voice or feedback is going to wreck their mojo. So, so it's, it's trusting this idea of, of creativity that, that is not, that has other elements besides just the doing of it. So, so going back to the first step of the system, then, you know, finding out the why I'm sure that, you know, lots of people, well, we know lots of people want to write a book, or at least they want to have written a book, but what are the typical, what are the typical answers that you get to that question? You know, what's your why when you're going really deep, you know, what are the motivations that really push people through the entire process? I love that question. It's my favorite. So um, there's there's three things that that have emerged as um, as critical, and we I actually ask people this, and at at Author Accelerator, which is my book coaching company, I have 25 book coaches working for me, and at any given time, we're serving several hundred writers, and we ask everybody this question, why are you doing it? So we have a lot of data. And, and the top three answers that we get are these. Um, the first is people want to raise their voice. So by that, I mean, you know, it turns out a lot of people in this world have been uh, silenced. And, and they've been silenced by a million different things. But oftentimes, it's uh, people close to them telling them that they're not good enough, that they don't have anything to say, that they're not worthy, that they should be quiet, that they shouldn't be bossy, you know, all the ways that we're silenced. And, and I'm, 
I'm not even touching yet on on the ways that the, our culture might silence diverse voices or, or you know, um, so many ways that we just silence people. And, and this is huge for writers, the idea that they're finally ready to claim their power and to raise their voice and to take up that space and, and speak. So it's really just about speaking and, and raising your voice. The second, the second thing that we see people say is that they want to make an impact. They want to influence people. They want to, you know, make matter in the world in some way. And they, and they have, you know, book writers don't generally write for their own pleasure. You're writing in order to connect with a reader. You're writing in order to make an impact on somebody. And a book can be successful even if it only impacts one person. It's the reader closes the loop for the writer. And, and so the, the desire to influence in some way or impact in some way or, you know, there's the raising of the voice as a sort of an act of reclamation, but then the impact piece is actually having something to say. You know, I have something to say and I want people to hear it and I want it to matter. That's the, that's the second piece. And even people who are writing middle grade fiction, you know, about dragons or, um, you know, YA contemporary romance, which, which may not on the surface seem like it's designed to have, you know, a big influence or impact absolutely does. And those writers feel that and they know that and they, and they want that. So that's the second one. And the third, the third one is actually the biggest and the most profound. And it is the one that we hear the most. And it is, uh, it's funny, it goes back to death. Um, People literally say, I don't want to die before I finish this book. They, they literally say that I do not want to die before I do this. It's a thing that they typically have wanted to do their entire lives. It's a thing that they probably dreamed of doing when they were younger. And then, you know, they, they went off and got a degree and a job in a stable, normal, <laughs> you know, respectable thing that would pay the bills. And, I mean, we get lawyers and doctors and PR professionals and communication professionals and copywriters. I mean, really people who have sort of what I would call writing adjacent careers and, and they, but they have this thing burning in them that they've had their whole lives and, and they don't want to die before they finish. And like, I can tell you a story that just incredibly, incredibly just happened last week. Um, One of our author accelerator writers was for the last year working with one of our coaches and she, the writer was terribly ill and, and she, I mean, gravely ill. And she, this is what she wanted to do with her last time here on earth. And she was literally submitting pages from ICU and, um, she died last week. She, See, our our coach got um a, an email from this woman's husband that that she had had passed and and he thanked the coach for seeing she didn't finish but for giving her holding that space for her and and giving her the opportunity to to do that and I mean this is an extreme example that doesn't happen very often but that sentiment underlies a lot of what drives people. Hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the Copywriter Underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership? So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas, copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three 
areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your file, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground? So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those. So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program. So I want to find out more about your business because you mentioned that you are running the Author Accelerator with at least 20 coaches, I think you said. Is that right? Yeah, 25. Okay. So um, this is quite a business. Can you just talk through the structure and your team and what your business looks like? And then the second part is just talking through where you spend most of your time because you're publishing your own books and you're also running this team and, and coaching and probably doing so many other things. So where are you spending most of your time these days? Yeah, definitely. So, so the, um, author accelerator is this business that emerged from the fact that I have these systems and structures in place. And, um, I wish I could say that it was my idea, but it was not my idea. Um, I, I gave us a talk at, um, UCLA has a center for entrepreneurial studies in their business school. And I gave a talk to entrepreneurs about, how writing a book can can turn you into a thought leader and how it's just an amazing and powerful thing for an entrepreneur to do and how entrepreneurs actually have more of the skills and um, mindset needed to succeed than than people who come from the writer side. And so I gave this talk and and afterwards um, someone approached me who teaches in the entrepreneur center and and he said, you know, it's very unusual to have a creative person think systematically the way that you're thinking. And he said that is a perfect opportunity to scale. And um, so he presented this idea to me, and um, and I said, that's ridiculous. I'm not a business person. I'm a writer. Thanks. Goodbye. Um, but he was quite relentless in his pursuit of me. <laughs> And uh, he kind of was like a dog with a bone and, and he, um, he finally convinced me to try it. And we became business partners and started this business together. And, and he had the vision for how to, how to model it and, and how we could make a sustainable business out of the systems that I had. So we pivoted about a million times in, in how we were going to do it, but where we ended up was having coaches working within the systems and the structures that I had designed and was using in my own coaching practice because the, it was a perfect um, business model and, and I had proven that it worked for myself. So the idea was to just replicate it and then to teach people how to work within the system. So a huge part of what we do is we hire people who we believe will have the capacity to, to do the work that I do. And we have a, a test that measures that. So we, we have a really good hiring process and, and then we have a, a training and oversight process where we, we train the coach and then they work um, under a senior coach for three months where everything they do is, is um, overseen. And, and then they are eligible to get writers of their own. And a big part of what we do in our business is we match the writers and the coaches by hand. So it's not the, the writer does not choose the coach. The, it's not a marketplace The the writer comes to us and we make the match based on an extensive intaking survey about what the writer's looking for in terms of their publishing goals, what kind of a coaching style they're looking for, where they are in the process. So we, we make that match and it's, it's the thing we're most proud of. We're really good at making matches that, that typically end up being, um, extremely successful. And so our, our writers stay with us. We have our basic package is a minimum of 12 deadlines, which 
typically means six months. And that's something we landed on over time because we used to have a, um, a package where you can kind of come in and out of coaching. You could do it for a month or two months. And we prided ourselves on the fact that there was no commitment. And we quickly realized that it didn't work and that what writers really need is to have somebody hold their feet to the fire. And, and that that's really what I was doing in my coaching practice. So we made this 12 deadline minimum, which is a significant investment for the writer that ends up being a $3,000 commitment. And um, we did that on purpose so that people can't wiggle out of it so that they've got skin in the game and we're finding it to be extremely successful. And that's the basic model. So you mentioned these deadlines. What are the deadlines? What is the process that, that they're going through as they're writing the book? Yeah. So a deadline um, involves a day on which the writer turns in up to 20 pages of, of copy. So um, that's standard manuscript formatting. So they, they're turning 20 pages. The, the coach is going to give them online feedback within 72 hours and and by online they're they're in it they're it's not copy editing it's developmental editing but they're you know in every line they're looking at every element they're they're thinking about the priority feedback for this chunk of text then they're guiding that writer and the guidance might be you need to revise this chapter again it might be uh oh, this chapter is making us think we got to go back to chapter one and redo something there, or this is looking great. Let's move to the next chapter. So they're they're giving editorial feedback and and project management, so that the what our writers say is that deadline. I mean, you guys know you work in the you know a deadline is a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> what is a deadline? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, people. Um, really respond to that idea that the coach is there waiting. They're going to get that feedback fast. And they're, and then usually the deadline comes every two weeks. So um, that's the typical um, um, frequency. And, and then each deadline, we have a regular level of coaching and then a VIP level of coaching. And the, the VIP level has a phone call following each each deadline to talk over what they're, you know, what they're seeing and to hash things out and to brainstorm. The lower level has a, a call every other deadline. So you're getting um, on the page feedback, you're getting a phone call with support and then email support as needed in between. So it's extremely hands-on. It's very personal. The, um, the testimonials we get from people are all about what a relief it is to have this actual support during the process. Because, I mean, I mentioned earlier that I taught at UCLA for 12 years and it was so frustrating teaching writing workshops, even 10 week writing workshops, because, you know, I'm one instructor, maybe I have 12 students, maybe I have 20 students. There's no way I can give their writing the attention that it needs and deserves. And, that that's what they crave and that's what they want. And it was very frustrating for me as an instructor and for the students that I taught. And so this model and this system solves for that. And it, and it gives that sustained one-on-one -on -one attention on your writing. And I was actually just writing a blog post this morning that one of the, the most powerful things about that process is that it is teaching the writer it's building their writer muscle by getting that one-on-one -on -one sustained feedback. You, you learn what you keep doing wrong, how to do that thing better. You hear the coach's voice in your head. You build that muscle so that you don't need that piece of feedback anymore. And, and then you move on to the next level and the next skill and the next idea. So it's, it's an incredibly powerful process. So you mentioned that when you were developing the process that it came from this, uh, discussion that you had about how entrepreneurs needed to write a book. And I tend to see most copywriters as entrepreneurs as well. So do you think that copywriters all ought to have a book or that are that, you know, are there things about having a book that will help copywriters stand out or build their business in some way? Oh yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think, I think that copywriters absolutely have more of what you need to write a book than, than people coming just from a straight love of story. 
And some of what, what I mean by that is, yeah, an entrepreneur knows how to define an audience. They know how to serve a customer. They know how to, to manage a project. They know how to um, launch something into the world. Those skills are in this modern publishing landscape more critical in many, many ways than, than just straight up, um, you know, writing a pretty sentence. I mean, by, by far. And, and there are a lot of writers doing extremely well who come at it from that more entrepreneurial mindset. And I think with, with copywriters, I've worked with a number of them over the years. And my favorite story is this guy who was in one of my classes at UCLA. It was a memoir class. And he's this older gentleman. And he'd come into my class and he had this baseball cap and he'd slunch down in his chair and sort of pull the baseball cap down over his face. And he just would sit there with his arms crossed and in this very defiant manner. And this went on, it was a 10 week class and this went on for like three weeks and he never did any of the homework I assigned. He never spoke in class. So after the third week, I pulled him aside and I was like, why were you here? And, and he, he waited till everybody left the room and he said that he had worked his entire career at gray advertising. He'd been like chief of copy at gray advertising. And he said, I don't know that I know how to write more than one sentence. And that, that was his fear that he was really good. He, he had been involved in the writing of some very iconic um, taglines and things. And, and he said, I, I just don't know that I can do it. So I, I said to him, um, okay, come back next week with 10 pages. And, and if you don't have them, don't come to class. And, and he laughed and, and he said, you're kidding, right? And I said, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so um, he, he came back the next, the next time and he had those pages and they were spectacular. He was, he was writing this memoir about a road trip he took when he was 16 across the country. And it was this sort of iconic America that's gone. And it was this hymn to this golden age and this golden time and to this friend that he traveled with and, and the friend, um, super tragic story, um, killed himself when they got home. And he had been living with this story his entire life and his entire career. And once I gave him permission to do it, he, it just flowed out of him. I mean, he could not stop him. And, and I think that story is emblematic of the way that, that copywriters often think of themselves is that they, they don't think of themselves as being able to write a sustained long narrative but they've got everything that they that they need. And if they can get past that fear and overwhelm and and think in terms of, of structure and breaking it down, they will be in such good shape. And whether they're called to write fiction or whether they are called to write nonfiction about their particular area of expertise or industry, they can they can just kill the game. And having a book sets them apart from everybody, you know, for better, for worse, our culture values people who have a book. It's, it's a thing that, that we all sort of believe and we confer this power upon people who, who have a book. So, um, one thing I can do is share with your audience. I'd be happy to put up those first blueprint questions to get started on a book. And, you know, I would say we can put those on a on a special page for, for your audience. And I would say that, you know, take that challenge, see if you can answer those questions, see if you can do it. And, and if you can, you know, you probably have, have what it takes to, to go all the way. What if you want to write a book because it's ego driven and you just want to have the book? Can you work backwards from there and just figure out your why from there? That's kind of what I want. I just want to have a book. Oh, I think it's all ego driven. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm the same way. I, I'm writing a book right now as well that is totally 100% motivated by jealousy 
of my fellow entrepreneurs who are working in similar spaces and and they have books, you know, to drive their businesses. And I'm and I'm like, I want that. So yeah, a hundred percent. So that's what I was talking about before. You start with that. That's like the bumper sticker version of your motivation. And and then you try to figure out what's underneath that that ego. You know, like underneath that is I want to raise my voice. It's those things we talked about before. I want to raise my voice. I want to take up space. I want to have, be the one that that's all about ego. And then it's, I want to have an impact. I want to influence people. I want to be known for something. I want to, I have something to say. And then it's that thing about, you know, I, I don't want to die before I do this. (laughs) Rob, how many books do you have right now? Like that I've written or that I own? That you've published, yeah. I've only written one. But I have I have okay. like at least two or three others in my head that are kind of bouncing around that I really want to get done. So So I just want to have one more book than Rob. That's just my goal. <laughs> if I can stay ahead of Rob, like my life is good. So um <laughs> Well and and what Rob just said I think is so true. There's there's no writer, there's no writer who doesn't have three or four books in their head. There's just no way it's, it's writers think, think in words, we think in story, we think in narrative, even if you're writing copy and small chunks of text, you're still thinking like that. It's how your brain is wired. And I just, yeah, it's, it's giving yourself permission to do it. And it's all those fears about what if it, you know, what if I do it and it stinks or what if I do it and it succeeds or, you know, and, and just all the things and all the fears. And, um, but, but you can't, I always say that, that a book is like a book idea is like a ghost in the attic rattling the chain and it's not going to shut up until you write the book. Right. I just want to ask you, what, what is the VIP price you mentioned I know you said 3K for six months with the regular package. Um, I don't know. You guys are going to have to help me do the math. So the 3K ends up being $250 a deadline and the VIP, oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed, is double that. So it's $6,000. <laughs> I can do that math. <laughs> I got it. Okay. I'm going to have to multiply. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, the pricing seems really uh, like such a great value, especially for someone who does want to write their first book and needs some support. It's definitely selling me on um, working with a coach on a book. So thanks for sharing the pricing. And just to flip this around a little bit for any copywriters who are listening and maybe are already doing some book coaching or want to get into book coaching now that they're hearing about it from you, what advice would you give them to help them um, create a career as a book coach? Yeah. I mean, I am... um... I'm a huge proponent of of this gig because it has been incredibly successful for me personally, and and I like to talk about money not to um, not to put a spotlight on myself, but just because I think it's important to always talk about that, especially around writing and and the publishing industry because we're not an industry where people typically make a lot of money. We're not you know, making the millions and billions of dollars that our, our colleagues in, in, you know, working at Google and, um, the, you know, Chase bank are making, um, I don't know why those two things came to me, (laughs) but, um, so for me, uh, book coaching is a great way for writers to add to their income. And, and it's a huge market writers looking for education. I'm trying to get some research done on the actual, size of this market. But I do know that individual writers spend a great deal of money on their own education every year, whether it's buying classes or going to conferences or taking workshops or, you know, whatever they're doing, they're spending money. So there's, there's money to be made. So I, I like to encourage people to think about coaching other writers because it, it can be really lucrative. So this past year, we're, we're talking right now in April, I just did my taxes this past, this past year, I made multiple six figures as a book coach. And in the last four years before that, I made six figures as a a book coach. So it's, it's going very well for me. And, um, so I'd urge people feel like it's, it's, um, a really doable thing to not to earn that money right out of the gate, but, 
Um, I have a book coach certification program that I developed based on the training program that we use at Author Accelerator. And the this book coach certification program teaches you everything you need to help a writer write a book and to, to work through the entire narrative design and structural design and, and get their idea onto the page. And it talks about the emotions of doing that work. It talks about the practicalities of doing that work and, and teaches you everything that you need to know, the basics that you need to know. Um, we're just finished running a beta um, cohort through that curriculum. It's it's a six month curriculum. It's very meaty, and the the price point is around um, two thousand dollars. And we are seeing most of the students. There's twelve students in that cohort right now, and many of them are coming out of the end of it. They're about a month away from finishing, and many of them already have paying clients. They're already going to pay back that fee before they're even finished with the class. And I don't have the exact numbers on it yet, but I feel certain that within several months of finishing, most of them will, will be in a position to, to pay that back. And part of what we're teaching in the class is how to find clients and how to approach people and how to deal with your friends and family members who want you to work for free and, you know, a lot of those questions. And and then we're following that curriculum with a, a course called The Business of Book Coaching, which is how how I actually run my business and how I actually market and find my clients and, and make make my money. And that will be a masterclass that we're offering following that. So I can also, um, I'll put up, um, like I said, I'll put up a page on Author Accelerator just for Copywriter Club members. And I can put all this info on there so it's easy to track down. That's cool. Thank you for that. So I want to jump back to something that you mentioned when we first started talking, you know, when we were talking about like the questions that you asked to get started, you mentioned that there are several examples of structure or several kinds of book structure that uh, you'll walk through with a potential writer. Can you give us just an idea of what those different structures might look like? Uh, so that, you know, if, for instance, you know, obviously there's a difference between say writing fiction or nonfiction. Um, so I'm just curious as to what that looks like. Yeah. So, so structure is one of those things that you can steal. So um, one of the things I like to do is study other books and how they're made and how they're put together. So for nonfiction, I'm, I'm just like a huge nerd for studying table of contents. And when I come across a book that has a beautiful table of contents, you can just, you can see the structure. It's visible. It's beautiful. It's usually intuitive. And, and it, you know, I'll, I'll just swoon over a great table of contents. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I've done is break down for nonfiction, what, what those typical structures might look like. So, um, you know, there's a straight up narrative and then there's, um, what I would call a collective narrative, which might be bringing voices together, different voices together, um, in, in service of an idea there, there's, you know, within a how to context, there's there's some basic different structures for how to teach somebody how to do something and how to work through it. So when I'm working with someone on nonfiction, we, we first build a table of contents and we build a chapter template. And if, if the, um, well, like a perfect example, I have a happy story. I had a client yesterday who got a two book deal from penguin. It's kind of a good day. And um, the the structure that she hit on was every chapter um, would be the same shape. And, and, you know, we worked through it like there would be a, a story to illustrate this idea that there would be a tale from her own life to illustrate this idea. There would be sample scripts. Um, her book is a, is um it's a parenting book. So there's sample scripts that the parent would use with the child in every chapter. Then there are um, do's and don'ts to avoid when having these conversations. So every, every chapter follows this template and, 
and we worked out before she even started to write, we worked out, okay, that's the chapter template. What's the table of contents? What's the flow going to be? Um, how much ground are you going to cover? And then the process would be that we would work on one chapter and really get that chapter right and, and like how it feels and make sure it matches the vision in the writer's head and, and get that really locked down. And once, and once we would do that, the writing the rest of the book is, is, is actually quite easy. So that very difficult work of hammering out the structure um, comes first. And on the fiction side, it's really exactly the same thing. It's who's telling the tale. Is, is this one point of view narrator? Is it first person narrator? Are there multiple point of view narrators? What period of time is this story covering? Where is the narrator standing in time while they tell it? Have the events already happened? Are they telling it while it's unfolding? So there are these basic questions about structure that, that really shockingly people tend not to ask themselves. And, and when I say that you can steal, steal structure, they're not that many structures. So, you know, if you read a book and you, you just love the way it works and unfolds, you can break down how they organized that material and how they, um, structured it and, and adopt that, um, as your own. I, I actually just recently did this in my own work. I'm, I'm going to make a book out of the book coaching material and I found a book that is beautiful that addresses sustainable career growth for yoga teachers. And I, I really liked the way that this, this writer structured um, the material and how she moved them through it. And even, even the philosophy and stance, you know, yoga is not dissimilar from writing in, in that people don't typically go into it to make a lot of money. <laughs> You know, so just understanding how to think about that and organize that. And it was very inspiring to me. So I, I started with that book as a starting place and, and of course have completely made it my own and, and the material that I'm writing is my own and, and the way that it's evolved is my own, but, but starting, starting with structure is always powerful. Jenny, there's been so much in here and we have more questions to ask you, but we are out of time. So I think whenever you want to come back, we still have a lot to talk about whenever you want to visit us again. But I would love to come back. And if there's anything specific that your audience wants as a result of hearing this, if, if you want to do a really specific yeah. something on topic and maybe Rob wants to do a whole thing on love. <gasps> Next know. time we're talking about love and relationships. <laughs> and so we need to book that. And then we'll also book something else for the copywriters and, and something else. I'm going to be out of town for the love discussion, <laughs> but I'm totally, I'm totally up for more on structure and, and uh, writing my next book so that I can stay ahead of Kira. Yeah. We're now Rob and I are going to race. I'm going to work on my first book. He's going to work on his second book, but this this has been really inspiring as far as just, it makes me feel like this is achievable. It feels overwhelming, but I don't feel overwhelmed just thinking about writing a book and probably for other copywriters who are interested in becoming a book coach, they have so much, um, so many resources in here too. So if someone's listening and they want to find you or um, learn more about one of your programs, where should they go? They should come to authoraccelerator.com backslash copywriter club. And I'll put up there the information we talked about on the blueprint and on book coach certification. If you're interested in that, we have a, a free um, email series that um, walks you through some of the basics about what a book coach is and does and where it came from and who might be good at it. And um, I will also put up there some information on getting coached if people are, are interested in, in that. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jenny. This has been really, really enjoyable conversation. Thanks, Jenny. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Music